Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Witch Bingo Podcast. I am your host, as always, Roger Knowles, and in this episode, we're going to have, you're going to see and or hear a mix of emotions. You're going to see or hear happiness, anger, and possibly sadness as well, and that's all just coming from Wayne. Um, <laughs> of course, I am not on my own. I'm joined by Anita Heffernan. Hello. And I'm joined by Wayne Howe. Hey guys. So Wayne, uh, take us through, as always, what we're going to be talking about on today's episode. Yeah, well, um, this week that we are recording, it is Responsible Gambling Week, so it'd be a miss of us not to touch on that. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about that a little bit. And there's also been, again, in the, I guess it's similar feel to Responsible Gambling, there's been a all-party parliamentary group report for gambling-related harm published with one or two recommendations that have raised a few eyebrows in the industry, knocked a bit of share price off one or two companies along the way, so we can talk about that. And then we will uh, discuss, well, let's start by discussing the elephant in the room that is Roger Knowles is leaving. Which bingo? Am no, I? don't go. I haven't received the email yet. <laughs> <laughs> Honest to God. Roger, I'm so sad to hear that you're going but excited for you tell the listeners anyone who's watching what's what's going on what what are you doing um so yeah so technically i don't actually work for witch bingo right now (laughs) but wayne was like you are doing another podcast (laughs) um no you wayne were very kindly to ask me to do another uh podcast to be able to explain uh, what i'm up to um so yes i'm leaving i've gone i'm out the door um so i'm leaving to go to buzz bingo uh, I'm joining the team over there uh, starting next Monday, which is really exciting. I can't really talk too much about mm. what I'm doing because it hasn't been announced yet. So it's all a little bit. So I'm sure I'll be back at some point to be able to talk a little bit more in detail about it. But, um, but yeah, no, I'm really excited. I'm, I'm sad to believe in you guys. It's been, I started at Witch Bingo officially about two and a half years ago it was january 2017 um so it's been quite some time it's gone really quick so we, we, like the other day i was thinking about it i was like oh well you've been working at witch bingo about a year and a half I'm like oh no wait a minute <laughs> about two and a half years um but yeah so i'm i'm off i'm leaving this is gonna be my last oh. one i'll be back at some point i'm sure like i said to explain what buzz bingo are up to so, yeah. yeah, we should have you in as a special guest contributor every now and then. But oh, I'm sure I could yeah, it's the, provide myself. It's the end of an era, but those who are listening, watching, hopefully it's not the end of the podcast. I've been, I was, I was around all day yesterday, wasn't I, uh, getting trained on how how the the wizard that is Roger puts this stuff together. <laughs> you needed about a week, but don't worry about it. I, I did as much as I could in a day. <laughs> yeah, but um, I remember it was it was me who, who hired you in the first place, wasn't it? It was like. Well, um, we we had some video content on which bingo uh, a few years ago, but it wasn't us on camera. It was this um, presenter called Ema, mm-hmm. who bless her, she was a great presenter. She put some good videos for us. She's still on the site in one or two places, but she didn't really play. We just had to write a script, and that's where we got you in for. We needed somebody who, who knew what they were doing with videos, could come in, write the scripts, manage Ema, mm-hmm. and then when you when you know when we hired you and you came in, 
we didn't need him. It was like, hey, Roger can do. I can do this myself. All the ideas. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So I remember you, you interviewed me in Costa. Um, we were. <laughs> I remember that because I was working at the time in a garden center, and I was. I did video content. I started doing my own video content about five or six, maybe even seven years ago now, and I was literally a sales assistant lugging gravel and compost around and i was like I, I can't do this for the rest of my life um and so then i started just doing a little bit of video content on the side for my own little youtube channel i, I kind of obviously i just did it on things i was interested in at the time which was video games and so i thought well it could be a good way to build up a portfolio of work and just try and basically if i can if i can improve and get better and then if when i apply to a job i'll be like this is what i can do and then obviously then I just basically remember one day, I remember I was on my lunch break at work and I scrolled through and it said, uh, content producer, I was digital content producer. And I was like thinking, Ooh, that sounds like a good job title. Um, mm. this would be amazing to do. And I read through it and I was like, ah, oh, I could pretty much do all that. Like there's only really one thing that I was a bit like, I think it was like HTML coding or something. <laughs> I'll just say I can do it. I'll learn it on the job. Um, and then I, still a bit iffy on it. Um, but so, and then I applied, and then you went messaged me back like within a day, and I was like, "Oh, this is promising." Um, and then yeah, only applicants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to get through the the back catalogue of emails. Um, but no, and so then I met up with you at Costa, and I think we spent half the interview chatting about PlayStation Four. Uh, yeah. But no, we connected quite quickly, didn't we? We got on very, very well, very, very fast, and we had a good chin wag for an hour or so. Yeah, I didn't hear off you then for about two weeks, um, which I thought I ain't got it. And mm. then it was a, a will, a will we won't we kind of. Uh, <laughs> to be honest, I'd have been a bit like that as well. Um, and then you invited me to the offices, which we were in a, an old office at the time, and I went there. And you were ill on the day of me going as well, because I had an interview with uh, Simon and Phil, and you were meant to be in the meeting as well, and you were poorly. And I was mm. like, I couldn't find the office. I was like, I remember walking up and down the street because it was really weirdly set back on this particular housing estate area. And I, I had no idea where it was. And then I had to ring you and message you and you were like, oh, you have to go this way and that way. So anyway, I eventually found it and had to sit down with Simon. And I remember, I remember in the interview, I was like, I don't think they like me because <laughs> Simon and Phil, Simon was a little bit more enthused because he was, he was doing more of the talking and stuff like that. But Phil didn't give anything away. Like Phil was just like, he was like stern faced and the only thing he talked about was e-commerce and the old job because he used to do the social media at my old job as well the guns as well as well as like lugging gravel around and compost i used to run all their social media and look after their online presence and stuff like that i remember phil one question was about e-commerce e-commerce at the garden center and i was like oh, they weren't very good at it and uh, and what i could do unfortunately didn't really help because the website was horrendous um, and I remember that having that conversation. But I remember walking away, going, "I don't think they liked me." Oh, well, like me one thing led to another. Yeah, yeah. And, and, then, we are. and then I remember getting introduced to yourself, Anita, sat next to you in the office, and I'm thinking, she, and the first thing you said to me was like, "I remember you saying this to me." By the way, you were like, "I thought they'd hire someone who played bingo." <laughs> I was like, "You." <laughs> that was, that was um, I think, in the past, we'd gone down the route of hiring a bingo player first and then teaching them how to do X, Y, or Z. Was this sort of, oh, no, I want to hire someone who knows what they're doing with, with the videos and all, mm -hmm. and then we can teach them how to play bingo. And mm -hmm. I think I think that's strategy. And I got work. to admit, putting me next to Anita 
did help a lot because you got to open it, the amount of information you used to throw at me in one day of like, and this is how this works, and this works. But then you got to do this, and then there's a special feature you got. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> but no, it was good. It was, don't forget this, and don't forget that. Don't it was good. No, to be honest, yeah. like the amount of information that I gained from you it was like I remember saying to one of my friends that when I'm working, that I'm going to have to act like a sponge and just gain as much information as possible, and I did. And sitting next to you cause when you were on the other side of me, and mm. to be honest, sat between you in the office was. Well, best thing that really happened to me now because all the information and knowledge got given to me. Well, I blame I blame myself for the current situation because obviously, um, which bingo was sold, got new owners. Anita and I were sort of kept on, and you you were cast adrift, as it were. Mm-hmm. And I lobbied I lobbied for you to be rehired, and several months later it happened, and we and we finally got uh, which bingo live the live stream going again. And lo and behold, who did we do a live stream with? Buzz Bingo. Yeah. And it was amazing. <laughs> and they got, you know, there was thousands of viewers and Buzz Bingo were, were buzzing about it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I think it's from there, inadvertently, they've gone, oh, it, who's that, this guy? That was, that was an amazing live stream that we did do. Yeah, every room you went into, the players followed you. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. They just wanted to be where you were. <laughs> well, I remember saying we went to... Um, uh, an event down in London in February and it was just after we'd done the uh, which being a live stream with Buzz and I remember saying to you when it was like that live stream was so successful it was like the most popular live stream that I've ever done for my personal self and for obviously a company and I said it was the first time I actually felt like a the coin the term influencer because it was yeah. like I'd go into a bingo room and say, everybody, come and join me in this room. And then you would just see the numbers in the bingo room going up mm. and up and up and up. And I was like, wow. <laughs> I know. And I, I was I was manning the chat. I was helping, you know, uh, monitor the chat because it's difficult to do the games and hosting at the same time. And I, I could see people when we were playing certain slot games, you could see people talking in the chat going, ah, oh, I've, I've, I've tried that one. I'm going to try it. And you can just see how I've been champion, trying to champion this live stream idea for a long time. Mm-hmm. And um, and my only my only regret is that we haven't managed to do more of them. Mm-hmm. But uh, fingers crossed, um, we might be able to bring it back without you, Rog. So it might be me or, or, or Anita having to do uh, the live streams. Imagine that, Anita. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'd watch um, it. I'd yeah, watch I'd watch see it. everything going wrong. <laughs> but, anyway, I just want to say thank you, Rog, for you. everything you've done on Witch Bingo. I think it's just you know it's contributed to um many of our successes over the years yeah. and our most recent success uh, i don't think we've mentioned it i think this is the first pod since we won the was it egr best bingo affiliate awards mm-hmm. uh which i went down to london picked up the trophy uh it was a nice surprise so thanks uh for that like I said, so, i'm sure i'll be back at some point in another episode because i'll be plugging buzz bingo stuff on you i'll be like look we're doing this now and i'm on it so um i'll be back in the very near future i'm sure so yes so let's move on to the topic uh and we'll start with responsible gambling week so that's what it is i must admit i haven't researched it uh at all i just know it's happening um this week and to be fair with you when responsible gambling week first came about it's i think it's been going at least a couple of years maybe three um i was a bit cynical about it uh, as I am with with a lot of the gambling industry's efforts to uh, promote responsible gambling, it, sometimes it feels like it's like a bit too little or forced. you know 
forced yeah because they just they can feel the tide of regulation and public opinion and they've got to be shown to do something and i, I felt a little bit like that with responsible gambling week because when it first came out it was like well why is it a week surely responsible gambling should be 365 days of the year you know the brand should be doing something however being a user of social media and following a lot of these accounts this morning when i looked on twitter it was literally all i could see bar my football people who i follow it was just rg week rg week responsible this responsible that and i think the whole idea if you like to just flood everywhere with this message of responsible gambling play safe brands like uh sky bingo just put a video out it popped on my phone said hey we've got these tools available this is yeah. you know, set your deposit limits and all that kind of thing and it just made me think oh you know what that's what it's all about it's about if everybody just pulls together at the same time and everybody sort of shouts this information out it's going to sink into people whereas if they're just all doing it as and when throughout the years probably makes less 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 noise i guess yeah i agree it's a very uniform message it's the like the bright orange you know banners you know the messages everywhere across all the sites and you might think that it might cause a little bit of blindness but it doesn't really you know it's so obvious and they're all doing it and like you say it's leading to all the tools that all the brands have got and it they must touch most of their database during the whole week so if it only means a, a couple of hundred people you know do something to start limiting the amount they spend or the amount of time mm -hmm. that they're on site it's got to be a benefit yeah and of course um moving on from responsible gambling week there was a report out from the all-party parliamentary group for gambling related harm um so this is a, a cross-party group of mps who've been sitting for i think six months gathering data on various things to do with gambling related harm and they put out a bunch of recommendations now that's all they are is recommendations so it doesn't say any of these things are definitely going to happen but it it does give some indication of where the wind is blowing politically because uh, the, the gambling commission came uh in for a bit of a bashing actually they were they were deemed not fit for purpose which, which I is thought ridiculous was, i know i've never i mean we've been in the industry a long time and i've never known the gambling commission bare their teeth as much as they have done in recent years dishing exactly. out fans left right and center and um all all of us in the industry are having to jump over hurdle after hurdle to make this more responsible and make this more clear and and for them to say that it's like well the, you know you I, don't I, get it they don't they really don't get it you know, they are jumping on a bandwagon i think you know it's election time isn't it so it's an opportunity for mps to, you know to, to be firm on gambling it's an easy target in that respect yeah yep. um that's not to say the gambling industry is completely innocent and um, there's there's definitely some things in here that they point out um and then you see things in the news i mean just this morning i mean have you heard this one um one of the one of the um recommendations from the report was uh to restrict vip accounts and to have a review into sort of the whole vip practices mm. and then this morning i read in the guardian there was a report there's a news post about betfair there was a customer at betfair and he was spending ten thousand pounds a month on horse races or whatever um i think he'd spent over 100 grand in a year but the, accus the accusation was that they'd helped him hide this from his wife um 
And when I read through the actual, what had actually happened was they'd given him as a VIP treat, as often these big spenders get, they'd given him like access to a horse racing event, some tickets to a horse racing event, VIP area, Betfair branded thing. And he basically said something like, um, oh, my wife doesn't know I'm, I got this from Betfair. Can you tell her that I won it in a competition? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, we've told our staff on the ground, you know, not to say anything. And that's like, you can see how that's happened probably a bit innocently. I think it's very naive from the person who said that in the first place. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it shows yeah. that they hadn't been properly trained in responsible gambling and things to look out for. Yeah, it's uh, funny that you should say that. I went to um, a gala bingo VIP event once to report on it, like a Christmas event. And I was being told at that about other things they did. They go to shows again. They love the horse racing events. Mm. And I was just chatting to people that were there and saying, oh, I said to this one chap, uh, and he was with his wife, and I said, oh, you know, uh, you must spend an awful long time on the site, you know, and do you spend an awful lot of money to be a VIP? And he was like his eyes sort of like, hmm, mm. <laughs> Because, you know, he clearly d didn't, his wife oh, didn't oh. know the extent of what he was spending either. Because I always thought if you're bringing your partner to a VIP yeah. event, then it was all going to be open and, you know, but mm. it clearly isn't. And But that doesn't mean you've got a problem with gambling. It just means you don't want your other half to quite yeah. know how much. That, yeah, that's, that's, that's basically why. saying that you just maybe, probably should be a little bit more honest with your partner, really. To, yeah, you know, she yeah. could spend just as much shopping at Harvey Nicks or... <laughs> to be fair, I am not a VIP by any means, Me any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but I, I do keep my gambling spend completely secret from my wife. Me I don't. I, I mean, I, I, I did want. I'd say a couple of years ago, I had a week where I spent like fifty quid and lost it, and then I, I started chasing it, and I went another fifty quid, and I was one hundred and fifty quid down in a matter of hours, mm. and that was like. I never really spent more than fifty pound in a month. Never mind in in a couple of hours. And I just like stopped myself, and I was like, "Oh my god, what have I just done?" And then, you know what I mean? Mm. And I, I never went anywhere near that again. Um, I think uh, that's the thing yeah. with it is is with this sort of situation is especially when it comes to family is that in the end you you still have to be honest with your other half, and if mm. they do ask, then you tell them. Um, mm -hmm. and then it's also honest with yourself of knowing when, yourself, uh, I was gonna, exactly. when to stop and just be <laughs> like, is this, is, you know, is this sensible <laughs> to go any further? Like, obviously if you enjoy doing it, mm -hmm. go as far as that it, like when, like when, when the fun stop, stop, <laughs> yeah. it kind of, but if you break that down a little bit more, it's more that situation of when, is this enjoyable at this point? Like, you know, you've gone past that, that breaking point mm -hmm. of, well, you know, I enjoyed the first bit, but now it's getting a little bit. Mm, that's, that's when you need to take a step back take a breather take some time away from it and then come back mm. into it if you wish to remember to yeah. always just there's, there's always a wall point and mm. just you need to understand when that wall is there yeah it's being honest with yourself that mm. is definitely definitely the key mm -hmm. you know in your own mind you can afford it it's yeah. not getting out of hand mm -hmm. you know that is the important bit it doesn't matter it is an enjoyable like, thing you know, it is enjoyable and you want to make sure it stays enjoyable and if it starts going to a point where it, you start just that little niggle starts mm. happening that's when you need to just maybe just yeah. just take a step back for a second and be like it's still going to be there you know you, you, the sites are still going to be there just remember just to Take a break for a second and come back to it. Yeah. And that's why, you know, on a previous pod, I said I, I use PayPal. And that's what I really like because I can put my money in PayPal. And I said, right, that's what I've got to play with. 
mm-hmm. for the next month or two. Uh, and you know and that balance will go up and down and up and down and I just know that that's separate from my bank account mm-hmm. and that I'm not tempted to if, if I did it with my debit I know you do it with debit card at least but if I did it with my debit card one my wife would see the transactions as well and might mm-hmm. go oh what, what's going on here <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I do share with her when I win but it's like oh yeah I won 100 pound this week and then but by next week it's down to I think 40 pounds as well like you say I with the the gambling industries and stuff like that and the sites have their own you know like incentives not to go too far i think having like you say when you own rules as well when you're doing it like having it so then you have a set amount in your paypal account you won't go beyond that like uh when i've done slot games and stuff like that when i'm getting to the end of it I'm going, right i'm going to tie it up now that's it i do it even during the live streams or the videos yeah. i do five spins left and i go right i'm going to call it but the after five spins that is it i'm walking away like yeah. so i do five more spins no matter what i finish and walk away right done yeah i'm not doing any more because it's my own personal rule yeah, and there's loads of tools available now. You know, this is why I was so surprised by some of the the remarks in this report. There are loads of tools. Every site has got cool-off periods, deposit mm-hmm. limits. You know, you can get access now to, to, to you know, the Gamcare stuff, and there's, 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 there's dozens of other spin-off organizations. One or two, I think one was sat next to me at the uh, EGR Awards. We were talking about the services they provide to a certain uh, group of sites. But... Um, yeah, so anyway, moving on, I've, I've picked out four things. Well, that was one of them, the VIP things. So I've got another three pointers from this report that I thought might be just like, you know, the main ones to talk about. So um, one of them here is uh, affordability checks. So they're basically saying that um, the operators aren't checking enough um, how much people are spending and whether they can afford it. And that just boggles my mind because I'm kind of like, how do you check if some can somebody mm-hmm. afford something? Yeah, how dare you? How <laughs> very dare you? <laughs> um, because, I mean, the way they've put it here, it says that the average expendable income in the UK is £450 a month. Um, but uh, the affordability checks often don't take place until a person has spent many thousands of pounds. I mean, I'm not an operator, but any operators listening, you tell us how much effort would be if you had to check anybody who'd spent over £450 in a month. I certainly wouldn't come into that bracket. I don't spend anywhere near that month. I don't think I'm in any danger of that. Who is going to willingly provide that information? Here, have my pay slip. I'm going to say something. Yeah, someone says to- 30 or be- what 36 or 60 oh. whatever they are every year you know so you can see how much i earn so i'm able to play with you not a chance <laughs> i have to not admit like thinking about it, it's like if someone said to me like oh, i want to know what you've got in your savings i want to know what you earn i want to know what mm. you've got in your general pain i'm like bugger off like, i'm yeah. not telling you that it's nothing to do with you if yeah. i've got i know how much i want to spend and how much i can spend mm. and it's like it starts it starts taking it to a point of yeah it's got much higher the limits Mm. they've got to be in the thousands i think Mm. before they can start asking those kind of questions i mean there are some people i mean you know normal people most players are just going to be low stakes you know um but there are and I've, i've spoken to people in the industry and there are a lot a lot of these casinos a massive percentage of the the money that that they make are from just a small handful of, of vips like mega rich people mm-hmm. who maybe premier league footballers who wouldn't bat an eyelid at spending 100 grand in betting in one go mm-hmm. you know i had um I, i'm not going to name the site or the player but he, he um he was a 
play for Liverpool. Um, somebody told me about... Like, that doesn't narrow it down for me, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, just some player that um, liked, liked to have a gamble and they, they had to contact him because he, he deposited like 100 grand in his account one day and then I, I forgot about it. And when they contacted him, it's like, oh, oh, I've got that, have I? All right, okay. And then just... <laughs> You know, there's, there's, wow. there are mega, there are mega rich people out there uh, that that clearly you do need to check. Just say, you know, are you do you play for, do you play for Liverpool football club? You can afford this. That's fine. Yeah, who do you uh, work for? Oh, okay. <laughs> so there'll be, similarly, there'll be a lot of people who are mega rich but don't want to reveal the source of their mm. funds, and they'll just, you know, there'll be a lot of nervous operators, and I'm sure this has happened to ring them up or get in touch with them, and the player just goes puts the phone yeah. down and then goes to another casino and a lot of the recommendations here it, my opinion is that a lot of these big players will just go somewhere else and they'll end up playing at sites that aren't uk regulated and then that puts them at, uh, sort of at risk so more at risk absolutely yeah i mean the big one right let's go with the big one next instead of saving it for last two pounds stake limit on online slots right so um you might have heard of the FOBTs, the fixed odd betting terminals. In you know these other machines in the in the high street bookmakers that were so prolific, um, and people were losing thousands of thousands, spinning hundred pound a time on roulette on these things. Mm-hmm. And there was there was, a, I think it was early this year they passed they passed the law, two pound a spin on these kind of games. And I kind of agreed with that. Because there was a lot of evidence of the harm that you know that caused, uh, and it made sense. But now, obviously, the natural thing is is they're now saying, well, there's this two pound limit in in on the ground. Why shouldn't that apply to online? And, and it's one of those where, in our position uh, as commentators on the industry, as players who aren't—I don't know about you, Nita—I never spin more than two pounds. May not never. I Never. Think, um, I know we discussed it a little bit yesterday, but obviously for the show is that I don't think it'll this that would affect many bingo players mainly because mm. of like the side games and the slots. I can't obviously I don't know the numbers or the average, but well, my guess would be a lot of bingo players don't probably as yourselves spin that amount on slot and side games. Yeah, well, it depends where you draw the line. I mean, if you if you're if you're a site like Tombola, you're probably all laughing at this mm. going ha ha you can't spend more than two pound anyway uh on tombola on all the bingo games and you can't spend more than one pound a spin on all the arcade games we're we're laughing mm-hmm. uh and this is going to really hurt all of our competitors so they're all probably having a good uh laugh at this and they also have the 500 per week maximum spend limit you cannot mm-hmm. go over 500 pounds yeah. but they're uh, well within all this mm-hmm. but mike you know where do they apply this to? They apply if they apply, do they apply it to bingo? I mean, there's plenty of bingo games like on Playtech and other sites where if you maxed out on tickets, it's going to cost more than two pounds. A know? lot more. Yeah, you know, um, they're going to put the, the 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 risk there. And then you've again, then you've got these people who who like the slots, who like the you know like the roulette, who do do five pound a spin, ten pound a spin, even more. I've seen it. Um, you can't take away the choice, in my opinion. You know, it's just not fair. I mean, yes, all right, not a hundred or two hundred pound a spin, but up to fifty, sixty pound. If that's what mm. you want to do to, for the chance of a bigger win, mm. and you can afford it, then you should have the choice. I don't want to be limited. I don't want to be told that you can only do two pound. Yes, Tom Bowler, because that's been their 
modus operandi all the time and you've never expected anything else and it's fine but if i want to have a i want a choice <laughs> and i think the majority of players want the choice i think it's going to be really difficult for the gambling industry to lobby against this because th- it just comes to a fact of well what's your counter argument mm. and the average person on the street you'd think wouldn't spend more than two pound a spin anyway uh so the, there's there's going to be very very slim support for not doing it and that, that's the big worry i think and that, that's the, this is exactly why um i've seen in financial times and some other publications like i think it was something daft like there's been a billion pounds wiped off the stock exchange mm. of gambling companies around the, in the uk because of this we just did a quick cut there because um, my internet decided to uh, freeze, uh, but we're back. Uh, so anyway, my point was that on the high street, that you they've obviously put the fixed limit in because they can't really keep track of that. They can't keep track of someone individual spending. Whereas in a digital space, you do have a log of what people are spending. Now, if they did want to implement a fixed limit for slots and casino then in essence as as someone who i i like the internet i do a lot of things with different websites and gaming and things like that that i would say then in essence then to do a limit but then have it gated beyond that so basically you can put implementations that if you wish to increase your spend maybe you do have to jump through a few little hurdles just to um verify yourself with what you can then spend and maybe then you have to provide what you've got in your account and what your job is and what your actual (coughs) earnings are maybe that's a way of doing it to try and it's just because you can keep a catalog of things then you can do it in a digital space and Maybe, also, this but... is a this is very strange coming from a parliamentary body as well because they've lost hundreds of thousands of pounds in tax revenue from the fixed odd betting terminals obviously going down. They're going to lose even more if people stop spending at online gaming sites. You know, so they're obviously not. I suppose they're trying to be responsible, but also you still got to think of the tax revenue for the country to keep it going. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the I mean, it's going down and down and down. Everything that you know that we'll talk about here to the layperson, it just sounds like common sense. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, if you if you if you can't you can't spend more than two pound, then you you're reducing the harm. You know, um, if you're doing affordability checks, then you know you're making sure. But in in reality, in practice, it's a far far more complicated yes, uh, thing to do, and, and 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 there's loopholes and ways around it, and you know, like. If somebody is one of these people that likes to spend £10, £20 a spin because they've got loads of expo- disposable income and that's what they want to do, they'll just go and play on a site that isn't UK regulated. Yeah. And then that's putting them in you know, in the in those grey markets where they, they haven't got the same protections mm. as, as they yeah. would if they were a UK licensed site. So hopefully now this parliamentary group will get together with the Gambling Commission and they'll talk about it together because at the moment that's been one of the major issues that this parliamentary group did not invite the gambling commission to their review no and that's not gone down well at all well the um the last thing i mean there's loads of stuff that you could go through you could spend all day reading through this but the other one was that was that was of, of interest now we spoke about this um with savas on the last interview i think we spoke about it though off camera and we were talking about um this uh you shouldn't be allowed to gamble online with credit cards so again common sense you know it sounds like a common sense thing you know why would you you know you're gambling with money 
that you don't have if you yeah. gamble with a credit card. So it's like, well, that makes that makes perfect sense to me. Fine. But then what Savas pointed out to us was that, well, um, that won't in itself prevent people from gambling with credit cards. So, well, what do you mean? So, well, you can set up your PayPal account to pull from your credit card. Mm. There's other e-wallets that you can use to pay with, but behind the e-wallet, it's pulling money from a credit card or it is a credit card itself kind of thing. And when he said PayPal, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Are you telling me like if they ban credit cards, they're going to have to ban PayPal because that might be a way around it. And then I would, that would really cheese off a lot of normal people who, you know, you just use, you know, I don't, I use my bank. I put some money into a PayPal account and that's what I play with. I don't, nothing to do with credit cards, but if a byproduct of banning credit cards meant I couldn't play PayPal, I'd be really annoyed. Yeah. It's, it's going to need a lot more discussion and thought than just random lay people who know nothing about the gaming industry just sitting around a table and coming up with random ideas. I think it's going to be... The experts in. It's got to be a discussion where they've got to find some form of middle ground. That yeah. it's got to, no matter what, we've got to make sure we, you know they protect the customers, but also they don't want to push the customers, as you say, Wayne, into an area where they're not protected. So either way, people will find somewhere to go, but make sure that they can go to places that they are going to be safe. Yeah. Um, but obviously, on that note, just make sure, obviously, to everybody as we're discussing this, make sure you always gamble responsibly. And like we've said mm. before in this podcast make sure you be honest with yourselves that is the most important aspect of it yeah, yeah. um yeah so just to sort of wrap up this week's pod of sort of going full circle to what i said at the start i mean this is this just indicates the wind where the wind is blowing now i said before it is uh there is a general election on but it's 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 noted in the industry now that the conservatives um and labor are both you know singing from entirely the same hymn sheet, but the, you know they're talking in the negative way about the gambling industry and the need for new regulation. They both are. So regardless of what the outcome of the election is, um, I think it's you know going to be more difficult times ahead for for the sector. I think. Yeah, I agree. Agree. Well. There we go. Well, that takes that's quite a very serious podcast that one, <laughs> wasn't it? We were we were going well into that one. Um yeah. but no, thank you so much once again. Um that takes us to the end of the episode. Um oh. everybody if you're watching or listening, don't forget to head over to the Witch Bingo Facebook page, uh, which has just been merged a few things in the background, so we we're, we're all okay now with the Facebook page, everything's sorted out there. Uh don't forget to keep heading over to witchbingo.co.uk as well, check out all the latest offers, promotions and deals there as well. <laughs> and don't forget Wayne and Anita will be back next week with another podcast, but unfortunately for the final time for myself, I won't see you. Oh, <laughs> bye bye, Roger. Uh, don't forget, bye, obviously, Ross. the podcast is available over on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify. You can watch it over on our YouTube channel, well, their YouTube channel now, and obviously at witchbingo.co.uk as well. And, and if you've heard Roger say all that, you found it already anyway so <laughs> but share Just... it with your friends let them know you know <laughs> pass it around a bit <laughs> anyway guys thank you so much for watching and listening and they they will see you and speak to you next time Bye-bye. thank you roger Bye-bye. bye bye <laughs>